Good morning and welcome to another podcast of Iconic Freedom, The Formula. We are talking about setting standards for accountability and responsibility in this journey of personal development. Let each care for self and all will be cared for. How sure am I of, of my own views? Don't take refuge in the full security of consensus and the feeling that whatever you think, you're bound to be okay because you're in the safely moral majority. One of the proudest moments of my life, that's to say, in the recent past has been defending the British historian David Irving, who is now in prison in Austria for nothing more than the potential of uttering an unwelcome thought on Austrian soil. So here we are again, picking up on this uh, really terrific speech. I don't know if you had a chance last week to watch the entire speech, and if not, uh, I'm going to cover the whole thing eventually. Um, it's For me, it's such an enriching experience. It's been a, an inspiration to me in so many ways over the last decade plus of just listening to the way Hitchens eloquently and articulately speaks about freedom, the freedom of speech. And even at one point, you'll hear it where he says, you know, um, do you know anybody with whom you would turn over this responsibility? Of course, it's one of my favorite subjects, right, is accountability um, and responsibility. And I think he makes such a great point about the fact that, first of all, you want to go by your own internal authority. You don't need somebody or something outside of you to decide. If you're incorrect in your choice, well, nature, your life will allow you to see that so that you can self-evaluate and self-correct. That's a beautiful thing. Now, if it's something of risk, of a high risk, then hopefully you are taking the accountability and responsibility of looking at the variables that are presented in front of you. What are the risks that you're taking by making this choice? And understanding that there are also unknowns that you may not you know, be aware of, of course, right? Um, you don't know what you don't know. But if you're looking at things and you're thinking, okay, you know, relative to what it is that I want to do, this is not a bad idea, you know, or this is something I want to try and see if it works. But it's such a beautiful statement um, that he's making here. So it's it's hearkening back to last weekend where it says, don't take refuge in the false security of consensus. That just because you're in the majority of something, that somehow there's, uh, you know, you've wrapped yourself in some sort of security blanket, some sort of, you know, Linus blanket, right? Because it's just not true. And when you find yourself in such a position, you're also kind of gathering a mob, right? Which I think is kind of interesting is this, well, if you're gathering a mob for what purpose? I mean, why would you want to do that. I understand we don't talk about why, you know, but what would motivate you into wanting to, you know, go with a mob mentality? Now, if it's a, because let's face it, individual liberty is not a mob mentality. It may be something that individuals hold for themselves, 
But then that's just a society of these wonderful people that each hold within them inherently their own individual liberty. Imagine living in a community, in a city, in a state, in a nation where the greatest majority of people hold within themselves, let each care for self and all will be cared for. Imagine the freedom and liberty that each individual now experiences by such a thought process, by such a, a process of living their lives, making their choices day to day. He didn't actually say anything in Austria. He wasn't even accused of saying anything. He was accused of perhaps planning to say something that violated an Austrian law that says only one version of the history of the Second World War may be taught in our brave little Tyrolean Republic. The Republic that gave us Kurt Waldheim as Secretary General of the United Nations, a man wanted in several countries for war crimes. You know, the country that gave, that has Jörg Haider, the leader of its own fascist party, in the cabinet that sent David Irving to jail. Made Austria famous, given it its reputation, by any chance? Just what I've got you. I hope there are some Austrians here to be upset by it. <laughs> well, it, it pity if not, but the two great achievements of Austria are to have convinced the world that Hitler was German and Beethoven was Viennese. <laughs> Now to this proud record they can add, they have the courage finally to face their past and lock up a British historian who has committed no crime except that of thought and writing. And that's a scandal. And I can't find a seconder usually when I propose this, but I don't care. I don't need a seconder. My own opinion is enough for me, and I claim the right to have it defended against any consensus, any majority, anywhere, any place, any time. And anyone who disagrees with this can pick a number, get online, and kiss my ass. So what a great moment, right? I mean, it's kind of fun <laughs> listening to that, you know, um, that, you know, he says, you know, I'm willing to have anybody that wants to argue this, uh, you know, feel free to step forward and argue it. And I think that's part of the whole process, right, is having the courage uh, to just step forward and be willing to have a conversation with somebody, to be willing to have your own thoughts challenged. I will say for myself that it wasn't enough just to hear something from somebody that might have some, you know, very Christmas moment for me, like, you know, don't take refuge in the false security of consensus. But I needed to understand what it meant for me. I had to integrate it because if I was going to say something like that, if I was going to adopt that into my own world, I wanted to know what I was saying because what if somebody came and wanted to challenge me about that? Well, what do you mean about don't take false security? And then I could be able to explain it. Um, I mean, I think the next thing that he talked about, and I briefly said something on my last podcast about the idea of minority report and the thought process, thought crime, because that's really what's starting to happen when you think about it. I mean, a lot of what happened in January of 2021 and subsequently since then with all of the trials that have gone on, all the people that have been arrested, you know, the lives that have been ruined. I mean, when you really think about it, the, the humanity that has been destroyed by governments throughout our history is just, 
I mean, it's just overwhelming at times, right? Because somebody had a thought crime, because somebody expressed themselves, somebody had free speech, somebody didn't agree with you that you have now turned what you're calling the law, what you're calling police, FBI, CIA, whatever it is, that you're turning those people and their power onto an unsuspecting society that that thinks, hey, I'm just showing up to a rally because I want to protest or I want to support something. So in the middle of that, your government now is turning on you and saying, no, we're not gonna we're not gonna allow that. You need to think the way we do. You need to get in line. Okay. So does anybody? hearken this back to Germany, which is really what he's talking about. I mean, did anybody watch The Sound of Music? Austria, the whole, you know, the whole nine yards, you know, Captain Von Trapp and all that good stuff. Why did they escape Austria? I mean, for very good reason, right? Now, I don't know how many of you don't feel you're grown up enough to decide this for yourselves and think you need to be protected from David Irving's edition of the Goebbels Diaries, for example, out of which I learned more about the Third Reich than I had from studying Hugh Trevor Roper and A.J.B. Taylor combined when I was at Oxford. But for those of you who do, I'd recommend another uh, short course of revision. Um, go again and see not just the film and the play, but read the text of uh, Robert Bolt's wonderful play, Man for All Seasons. Some of you must have seen it. Um, where Sir Thomas More decides that he would rather die uh, than lie or betray his faith. And at one moment, More is arguing with a particularly vicious witch-hunting prosecutor, a servant of the king and a hungry and ambitious man. And More says to this man, um, you'd, uh, you'd break the law to punish the devil, wouldn't you? And the prosecutor, the witch hunter, says, break it. He said, I'd cut down, I'd cut down every law in England if I could do that, if I could capture him. And Moore says, yes, you would, wouldn't you? And then when you'd corner the devil and the devil turned around to meet you, where would you run for protection? All the laws of England having been cut down and flattened, who would protect you then? So again, just another beautiful statement of you know, talking about um, a man for all seasons and that moment of, and of course the writer, I mean, listening to him talk about the writer who would write such a phrase, who would write, make such a turn of phrase or languaging something to say, you know, that you would cut down all the laws of England and then who would you turn to all the laws of England being cut down when the devil turns around to meet you. I mean, really, that is such a beautiful statement that's saying to you, listen, every time you do this, every time you want to shut people down for whatever it is they want to do, and he'll say this in a moment, is that you make a rod for your own back because sooner or later it's going to turn on you. Now, there are political parties that we observe in this country especially that 
they become very self-righteous. And in their self-righteousness, there is a boomerang to that because it'll turn around and it'll come back on them. And it always does. I, I, I guarantee it. There, There is no self-righteousness for which the boomerang will not come back at you, and it will present right in front of your face that you are now the target of such. People that want to do this woke culture, they want to do all of this canceling and stuff, you will be canceled eventually. And if you're observing, I'm just saying just step back from some of it, get out of your emotion as much as you can and just observe it. Isn't it interesting that there are people in our society that stepped up to say, you know, oh, I'm, you know, I I believe in all of this stuff. Yeah, I'm going to protect all these people. I'm woke. I'm awake. I've taken the red pill. They have not. They are not in reality. They're in self-righteousness. They need to be right because they want to control something. And the reality is you don't. You don't control it. You don't control other people. You can only manage yourself. And that's why it all comes back down to the individual. And so what a beautiful thing for him to point out in this play, A Man for All Seasons, how beautiful that moment is of that discovery and that understanding in just a small portion of this play, this movie, that this exchange happens, but so much is said to you. Now you kind of have more and more the idea of why I think these things are like Christmas. Bear in mind, ladies and gentlemen, that every time you violate or propose to violate the free speech of someone else, you in potentia, you're making a rod for your own back because the other question raised by Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes is simply this, who's going to decide? To whom do you award the right to decide which speech is harmful or who is the harmful speaker? Or to determine in advance what are the harmful consequences going to be that we know enough about in advance to prevent? To whom would you give this job? To whom are you going to award the task of being the censor? Isn't it a famous old story that the man who has to read all the pornography in order to decide what's fit to be passed and what is fit not to be, is the man most likely to become debauched. Did you hear any speaker uh, in the opposition to this motion, eloquent as one of them was, um, do, who, to whom you would delegate the task of deciding for you what you could read? Who to me would give the job of deciding for you, relieve you of the responsibility of hearing what you might have to hear? Do you know anyone? Hands up. Do you know anyone to whom you give this job? Does anyone have a nominee? You mean there's no one in Canada good enough to decide what I can read or hear? I had no idea. But there's a law that says there must be such a person, or there's a subsection of some piddling law that says it. Well, the hell with that law then. It's inviting you to be liars and hypocrites and to deny what you evidently know already. So this is one of my favorite parts of the speech because it, it really points out this idea is, is there anyone that you know that you would give this job to? When you look around, you watch the news, you're listening to what people have to say. There's a lot of people that sit there and think that they know how all the rest of us should live. And that's basically what he's saying. You know, is there anyone to whom you would give this job? That they're the person, you know, the all-knowing, 
you know, for some people, I mean, it's it's their religion, it's their God. You know, they live by their their good book, whatever that good book is to them. Okay, that's fine. I personally, if if there be a religion that I must adopt and accept, it would be basically liberty and freedom. It would be the Constitution. If I need to live by something, then it's going to be the Constitution. That whole document in and of itself recognizes me. It recognizes the individual. It was written over 250 years ago, and it recognized me as the individual, the person that is now living to make my own choices, giving me, well, not really giving me, but acknowledging for me my own inherent rights. It's acknowledging that the government has no business getting into my business. And as much as I am not harming others, that's none of the government's business. And if I am harming others, either one or two things is going to happen, right? There's going to be a law that says, hey, you can't steal from someone, or there's going to be a consequence because I'm going to get shot. <laughs> I mean, that's just the reality of it, right? I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting thing that we've got governments around the world. We've got a lot of people in this country that, again, they go into the self-righteousness. They know best for all of us. And so we now have to adopt whatever they say. I'm going to say something that sometimes gets a little pushback, but every time you allow yourself to go into self-righteousness and you start telling people how to live their lives or what choices to make, you now take on that accountability. You now take on that responsibility. That person now is absolved of having to do it themselves, which means that anything that happens, any outcome, it's going to be laid on you. I tell my team this all the time. What is it that you want to do? Whatever the client wants to do, just ask the client. Find out what they want to do. Do not take that on because if you make the decision for them, you make the outcome. You make you take on that responsibility and that accountability. Okay, so I'm going to say that one more time because I think this is a really important piece. Anytime you take choice away from somebody, you have now taken on the accountability and the responsibility of whatever that outcome is. We know from this podcast, whenever you are taking choice away from someone, you are trying to control and manipulate. You see what I did there? <laughs> I brought that full circle. Offering a choice to people does not alleviate them of the consequence of the accountability and the responsibility. Understand for yourself, if you take it on, if you decide for somebody, you now take on the risk, you now take on the accountability and the responsibility for the outcome. I hope you're enjoying this series. Um, there's going to be another one because I still have like another, I don't know, seven to ten minutes left of this particular uh, speech. And uh, there's some just rich things in there that I would love for you to hear and uh, to enjoy as much as I have. So, uh, yeah, in October, Merry Christmas. And we are at the end of another podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Hit that like button if you would. Share this with your friends and family. You never know what they might get out of this. If you'd like to subscribe, feel free to do so. You can do that on the website, link down below. My email is there. So if you have a situation that you'd like me to cover on the podcast, that would be awesome. I'd be happy to do that. Send me an email. 